Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Failure Friday, where we talk to my friends, colleagues, and complete strangers about how failure has shaped their personal lives, their careers, and how it's just propelled them forward, because I'm sick of seeing happy-go-lucky everything's roses and daisies on social media. So we're going to talk about the gritty truth, and hopefully it helps someone in a similar journey, no matter what stage or Maybe it's just something fun to listen to when you're bored. Today, we are talking to a friend of mine, Miss Benna. And uh, how long have we known each other, Benna? Has it been a few years now? A couple of years. A couple of years, yep. A CEO roundtable, yep. Yes, so we met in a CEO focus group, which I hold so dearly to my heart. Hopefully, we can get Linda on here at some point. And she was one of the first people I met there, clicked instantly. Uh, Benna Kale is a teaching and learning expert. She specializes in social and emotional wellness and is the founder and CEO of BC Strategists and works with leaders in business, education, sports, legal, and that's just to name a few. I mean, I was interested in mm-hmm. Benna off the bat because uh, we met, I got into the, the focus group when I was probably mid to end stage writing our children's book with uh, Antoine. And uh, in order to really put that out there like we wanted to, we needed someone who knew how to write curriculum because it's it's easy, it's not easy. You can write a book, but if you want to get that into a school, it has to align with what they're teaching kids. Otherwise, why? Why would you have kids in the classroom read it if you don't have something to teach them? Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she wrote out an entire layout and I still look forward to using that when we get to that stage and her services are I mean I have not ventured into her industry with anyone else no one else has explained to me something like what you do so I'm glad that you're here to kind of give us a little bit more detail even more detail than we get to go into in our CEO focus group so why don't you start there Benna and Tell us a little bit about how you got here and exactly what do you do? Use examples. Okay. Well, Kendall, thanks so much for this opportunity. I'm excited to be here and excited to share what I know with with your uh, with your world and what you're doing. And so, thanks for this opportunity. So, um, yeah, I I'm excited about talking about failure because I've had several um, and you know I think about it more as mistakes and setbacks but um, I've been at career I've been working since I was 16 years old so I've been in this for a long time and had a couple of different careers um, was working for a company and in 2018 we had some new leadership come in and got laid off very unexpected, uh, very big blow, and didn't really know what to do, was a little bit upside down for a while trying to figure it out, and decided, well, let me just try to start my own company, and so that's what I've done. I've, I founded BC Strategists, and all of the things that I learned through my teaching and learning, education background, and then into the corporate world, Uh, apply to what I'm doing today. So I have a couple of things, kind of a couple of verticals that I work on. One is in the education space. I'm a consultant and I write online curriculum. So um, online training programs for teachers and in the social emotional learning space. So I try very hard to help teachers understand how they can embed social and emotional learning into their day-to-day teaching activities because it is a strong belief of mine and and many experts out there that social emotional learning is the foundation to all other learning. So if children aren't feeling safe and secure and they're not, they don't have a positive mindset, if um, their mental health is not a focus during while they're trying to learn academics and other things, then they're not going to reach their potential and they won't thrive or succeed. So so I'm very excited to be, have the opportunity to do that. Um, the other thing that I do is I work with small businesses, small to medium-sized businesses, and help them organize. You can imagine as a teacher for many years and working with children of all ages uh, in classroom settings and, settings and in education, 
Um, a lot of times it's like herding cats. <laughs> and so you learn, um, I was able to learn a lot of organizational skills and how to look at a variety of abilities and the children that I worked with and the teachers that I've worked with and pull out the, the best of what they had to offer and move that in productive ways. So I consult and help you know, a lot of times new business owners that are very good at what they do, but they're uh, as far as their product or service, but as far as pulling their business together and being able to get very well organized and find out where where they may need some help or may need to uh, make some changes, I'm able to come in and a lot of times uh, create some order out of chaos, as it were. So uh, yes, I'm very excited to be doing what I'm doing now. It wasn't the path that I intended to be on at this time, but I, I wouldn't change it for the world. It was uh, getting laid off a few years ago, happened to be, to me, a blessing in disguise. So I would say my my career path now chose me rather than uh, the other way around. Those are the best ones, right? And yeah, if I'm not exactly. mistaken, you getting laid off, that was, that was coming off the high of, I mean, one of your most renowned years in your career at that point, right? Exactly. Nationally, you've just been renowned for uh, a program where you impacted, I think, it was was it 15,000 or was it 5 million? I can't remember, students with a, with a program that you brought into elementary school? Yeah. So, yeah, as a matter of fact, that's what I did for the company. I spent 15 years with them and uh, created the curriculum. Uh, they needed a national program to, and it happened to be in the golf industry, and they, golf wanted to put the sport of golf into schools much like other sports are taught there in physical education classes so children learn basketball and they learn about soccer and they learn about dance and they learn about all of these things but golf is not something that's regularly taught so thankfully i had uh, i was put in a great position with through some uh, people that i was working with while i was a teacher and knew that i did a lot of curriculum writing so i made the leap to the golf industry and wrote the program, wrote the training program for the teachers and then spent, you know, the years implementing that program. And that's where some of the organizational skills came in, where the logistics and scheduling and running around the country. And we ultimately, as you said, we had a national meeting at the end of 17, 2017, where we had reached uh, 10,000 schools and helped the organization reach uh, 10 million children. And we had trained over 15,000 teachers in, uh, around the country. And so we were, we were feeling quite, quite good about all of that. Had a big national meeting at the end of 17. And, um, but the scenario at that time, too, was the CEO at the time was, was leaving and retiring. And a new, you know, new leader was coming in and had a new vision. We had been around for about 20 years at that point and wanted to take the company in a new direction and you know I thought I was going to be along for the ride in the new direction but that wasn't the case and so you know within a few months they had made a lot of changes and myself and several of my colleagues were laid off and I'm here where I am today in my in my new business. At the time did you look at that as failure and how did you handle it? You know, take me through I, the emotional cycle you went through because I, I haven't had to experience that, but I'm sure there's gonna be people watching this that it either just happened to or it has happened to. Oh my gosh, well it's devastating. I mean, uh, you know, you know there. So I'll tell you, when new leadership comes in, you never know. And but I knew what we had accomplished. I knew that I was one of the few teaching and learning experts on staff. So I figured, you know. Probably it was relatively safe, but on a personal level, um, you know, when you, <laughs> the way everything went down was was not what I would have hoped. Um, I felt a little disrespected. I felt that I wasn't valued. And of course, you know, on a professional level, I, I was like, well, I did all this work and I contributed in massive ways to the company's success. And so to basically be given a pink slip um, you know I was like why you know what happened why did it happen so on a on a professional level sure there's a little bit of um, anger and um, you're you know questioning and wanting to know more um, on a personal level 
it it is even more so a little bit of like the rug getting pulled out. It's like, well, what am I going to do now? I thought, you know, uh, just from a monetary and financial standpoint, earning, you know, uh, my husband and I both work, but I was earning, you know, bringing in half the income. And so it was it was a, a scary time on that level. You for me, it was wondering, well, what what am I going to do? I don't know what else to do. <laughs> so there was a little bit of soul searching and things going on. And um, so, yeah, it was a really tough time, but I've always been one that uh, rather than sitting around, I mean, yes, I had my moments for sure. Um, but rather than sitting around and, and wallowing in this you know, place and trying to place blame and make excuses. It's like, I've, I, it is what it is. What are we going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? How am I going to solve for this? What are my next steps? And I really, that's my approach even now, even when I, you know, feel like I've done something and not done well, or I'm embarrassed about it, or a situation arises that I didn't expect and don't want um for the most part it's it is what it is so what is it and how are we going to move forward how are we going to you know look for the positives how are we going to learn the lesson um so yeah that's that was it was tough but like i said it was a huge blessing in disguise i'm now doing exactly what i want to do um, I'm finally starting to get some traction. It takes a little while when you start your own business. I'm sure you're familiar yeah. to um, generate some, you know, network in the right places and generate some, some traction. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really very happy with where I am now, three years later. I will say on your last point that I think a lot of the track, the speed of the traction that you have uh, when you're starting a business has a lot to do, not a lot, but you control an element of that, right? Like how are you getting connected in your community? Who are you surrounding yourself with? How long between you getting laid off? What was your grieving period roughly that you allowed yourself to have? And then how long before you started BC Strategist? Well, I got laid off in June um, and I'm I'm not one to sit around. I just, I have to be busy. I have to be productive. I want to be working. I want to be moving. Feel that in my soul. Uh, yeah, I can't sit around. And what ended up happening is I got on the phone with my best friend and she had started her own business, you know, three, you've met her, Sherry Matthews. And oh, started, Sherry, she's a yeah. doll. Yeah. Oh, so you, we her. got on the phone and she, you know, her energy. It's like, all right, let's get this going. You know, it's kind of that bootstrap. Like, get Here your we go. shit together. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> whap, whap, whap. You know? And so she, uh, she and I talked and she had been through the steps of opening her own business. So she coached me on that, you know, try to figure out my brand and all of that, which I'm still, still honing to this day. It's not an easy thing. But I tell you, to your question about how long did I hang around, so I think my official opening date was October of 2018 is when I legally started my business. But then I had, between my husband and some very good friends, are like, you need to take a break. You don't really know what you want to do yet. And you're just trying to do something. And so, so I did get my business set up, but I really didn't pursue a lot I just started taking it easy and so it took me about three or four months to calm down <laughs> and not feel like I gotta go do something um took but me I think a that's while fair that's yeah. real right like you're yeah. allowed to mourn your law you're if you have a job especially a successful one like you did that's like a bad breakup yeah yeah it's like someone just left you yeah, good point. It's a and you know, I didn't give myself a chance to feel really to kind of and my mom, it's so funny. When I when I talk about I go, well, I lost, you know, I would talk to people. I said, well, I lost my job. And my mom would always go, you didn't lose your job. <laughs> you got laid off. She would correct me all the time. And I and I started realizing why she was 
saying that to me to get, you know, that's nothing you did. I mean, and I knew it, I knew it, but it was funny what was coming out of my mouth was I lost my job and I didn't lose my job. I just was a, you know, a casualty of a situation. Um, so it took me a while to just catch my breath and really do some, you know, internal thinking about myself, what I'm really good at, what would make me, you know, you always hear people say, do what you love and you never work a day in your life. And I always want to walk up and smack them <laughs> when I oh, hear that. So annoying. But, but it, you know, it's one of those things that I needed to take some time because I was reeling. I was handed this card that I didn't want to hold and I needed to really take a little time to figure things out. And of course I immediately got busy. And then it, so after about three or four months, I, all right, I don't have to be productive yet. I was fortunate enough. So this is a part of the story that uh, I uh, left out, but we did get a severance package. So I did have uh, several months where I didn't have to get back and, and start earning an income. It wasn't That's going important. to, you know, it was, it was huge. And that was another blessing. I was given, I was handed a gift of time that I wasn't taking advantage of. And so I finally did. And, you know, still was dabbling in my thing, but I didn't feel the pressure that I've like had to run out and find clients and figure this whole thing out. I, I wrote the online courses because I knew that world very well. I partnered with a national uh, company. Actually, they're an international company that does online courses for teachers. I knew them from my teaching days, called them up, said, hey, how about I write some courses for you? They were game and, you know, so I was busy doing some things that I knew and, and I had a heart for. And, um, and those courses are still going on. I still work with those guys a lot, but um, yeah, so it, it took me a while to kind of shift gears and, and settle in. Um, just like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a divorce. It's a, a, a death of a career and to not take the time to just figure some things out for myself and give myself a little break. Um, I'd been working since I was 16 years old, so um, dating myself after 40 years of work, I think I deserved a little bit of a break from rushing that's a into good the way next of putting thing. It, you know? Dating yourself. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. I've never heard it. You've had because you had to learn to be alone. You had to learn to be okay with not getting up every day. Yeah. I mean, like I have a routine. I wake up at 5 a.m. I do a little Bible study. And then I go work out and then I go to work. And if that was ever taken away, if a part of that was ever taken away, I would have a hard time adjusting to just my routine being jacked up. Mm -hmm. Like that, yep. that would be hard for me. Not despite the actual loss of a job that I'm so this my routine. Well, like and I'm, just... I'm like you, I like routine. And that's the other thing. I like routine. I like being, you know, knowing I'm going to get up in the morning. I got this to do. This is what I want to do. I enjoy a good routine. It, it, and I'm OCD and I'm kind of one of those that likes everything to have, you know, I work at things and I'm a perfectionist and not, not horribly, but I do like, I'm a detail person. Maybe that's a better word than perfectionist. I, I, I focus on details. I like things to, done and done right. And so routines are part of that for me. It's just orders my world and I feel secure in that to have my, my little things to do. And so, so yeah, it was, it was a different, <laughs> it was a big adjustment uh, for sure. I can only imagine I'm, haven't had a loss like that but so many people have and oh before I move on to the actual the actual question um I think for our audience is important a severance package does not come with every job a lot of times it's connected to tenure and Benna why don't you tell us if that was automatic or if you had to apply for it for our audience well, it wasn't something that we knew we were getting for sure. And it was not a part of our contracts. And this is one of the things as bad as the situation was and as unexpected and, you know, some would say unfair, you know, you can look at it any way you want, but in corporate world, a new leadership is going to do what they're going to do. And it's just part of what it is. Part of the that, 
it's it's just what it is and i've known friends way up in corporations way higher than me that have been let go and it's just it's just how that world operates when it's time to make a change they make the change and um, but i will say on the severance that was something they decided to do when they were deciding to make this change so it was not something that was a part of any package they could have said two weeks you got two weeks and you're gone. I mean, they could have done that. They could have. They, they did not. And that was that was another saving grace and another big blessing because, you know, uh, and, you know, there was a lot. I happen to be married to, you know, I was married. My husband works. He has good insurance, all of those things. But there were some that were, you know, the breadwinners carrying the insurance for their family with young children. I, you know, didn't have any young children. So it was, you know, my case was probably not as bad off as some others who, um, you know, were in a different situation financially and otherwise. But that being said, it was, you know, the severance was definitely something that um, I thought was at least one of the, the better things that came out of it and was very appreciative that they decided to do that for us. Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, and I'm thankful that you had that. Yeah, me too. I don't me even too. know if that was the, the failure that you wanted to use, but I think that is, is there another professional or personal failure that you wanted to talk about? Because I mean, I just kind of pushed that one on you. No, no. I mean, that was, that was one of the biggies. Um, you know, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about failure and I, you know, we're going to fail our whole lives. And, and I, you know, even the word oh, failure, I, I, I put, I'd rather say something like setback or mistakes that we make because I came across a quote, bleh, excuse me. I came okay. across a quote recently and it said, uh, uh, there is no failure, only feedback. And I'm like, I love that because when you are trying something new, when you are stepping out of your comfort zone, when you are working hard and you're trying to make a difference and trying to make an impact, whatever your work is, you're going to, you know, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes and sometimes they're going to be epic. Sometimes they're going to be small. But if you can look at those things as what did I learn from this? Sometimes the hardest thing, what did I learn? How did I handle this? What can I do? And you get the feedback, you learn from what happened and you move forward. Um, it's like I said earlier, it's, it is what it is. What are we gonna do about it now? What, how do we solve for this? What's our next steps? So, um, but that's, that's kind of over the years now with with the things that I've learned, the um, it's it's getting the feedback, knowing I guess for me, knowing that I do my very best to approach everything I do with a genuineness and authenticity, with the right motives, and then if I get handed something out of my control, it's out of my control, and it wasn't necessarily something I didn't intentionally cause things to happen but when they do it's it's well what was in my control what was out of my control what can I do better next time and those those kinds of things help me mentally uh, keep more of a positive mindset and give me the ability to move forward yeah I agree with that I think failure gets a bad rap it's it's a bad word and it doesn't have to be a bad word <laughs> like feedback sounds a lot more palatable right but I I was thankful that my dad told as a child totally changed the way that word affects certain people so when I hear failure I immediately think of feedback I immediately think of well how did you recover like what did you do what did mm -hmm. the people where was your support system how did they help you because mm -hmm. I think that those elements are so crucial to have. It sounds like your husband's a huge part of your support system. You have Sherry, who is an incredible person to have in your circle. I mean, a lot of people don't have that. So what would you give, what advice would you give to someone who 
has a massive career change or a massive personal change and doesn't have that circle to fall back on, or maybe doesn't have the same motivation that you and I have, what would you, what advice would you give them, especially from someone who is in the field of emotional intelligence, identifying it yeah. and working with it and teaching it? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And I feel very fortunate. My husband is my biggest cheerleader. And he has been so instrumental in me being able to get back on my feet. And even when I'm kind of struggling, he goes, no, I mean, even when I'm not, he always tells me I do great. So even when I'm like, no, that's not helpful, though. Yeah, I know. I know. But he but he's he's good he's good but i tell you what's helped me kendall and it was you know trying to network and i'm an introvert so um, no you are not i refuse i am i'm a huge introvert i no. I, I just i'm if i walk in a room with a big crowd i'd rather kind of get my one-on-one or small group conversation i just i i really um, as far as connecting well, it's, it's something that I have to work at. And part of what I did was, you know, finding, you know, Linda's group, you know, and starting to network with you and the other women that are in, and being a part of that and knowing we're all kind of, you know, in the same boat, trying to find our way and do well. I mean, it, it, I had to get out of my comfort zone and start networking. And I really, as a woman, and a woman business owner, I just love other women who are forging a path and doing, you know, like you and like Sherry and the women that are in our in our roundtable group. I, I just admire and want to build up women like that and want to I, help. And I just, I want us all to be supportive of each other. And there's so many places in life where women tear each other down and I just I, I don't have any time for it so my my advice to somebody in a situation where is to find other women that enjoy or you know if you're a man <laughs> find other men find you know network with people that are positive that are ambitious that are doing things and that are caring and empathetic because you know that's one thing um, failure has taught me is it's super humbling right i mean when you 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 never think you're all that when you you know you walk down and then suddenly you're tripping over yourself all over again i mean as soon as you think you you never arrive and if you start getting this mindset that you know this overconfidence or whatever arrogance or whatever you want to call it i just i i really think that all you have to do is think about you know some of your path and you it just can very much be humbling and and create uh, empathy for others that you watch that are going through difficult times. I mean, we've learned from people in our roundtable group that are really struggling during the pandemic and some of the things that have happened and it's not easy. And so uh, just finding those people that will build you up and support you and tell you how it is. I mean, that's you don't want somebody to come in and just, you know, sunshine and roses all the time because that's that's not helpful either. But to especially as a business owner, it's not even that's not even real. It's, you are going to fall on your ass so many times when you start a business. <laughs> exactly. You're going to waste so much money. You're going to overwork and undervalue your time. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important. Especially, I want to touch on what you said about women business owners. That is something that I am so passionate about, and the reason I'm passionate about it is because I, and you might be too, I don't know enough about your industry, but I'm in a male dominated industry. So I am very comfortable at being a type A personality. I'm comfortable inviting myself to the table. I'm comfortable uh, leading a conversation or putting my, inserting myself in a conversation that I wasn't invited to because that's how you get attention in a male dominated industry. And I was so insecure about networking with women because, and I, I was just talking about this at girls night, when I, when women meet me, if, like women's social circles, or even in business, sometimes in business circles, a strong woman comes off hard, you know, rough around the edges, you know, a little too strong. But if you're at a table with men, you're just cool. You're, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're one of the dudes. So 
I think that when you find other women business owners, and maybe they're not already that confident, or maybe they are, it is so important to foster that relationship, foster foster that culture, because I don't think it comes as naturally for whatever reason, I'm not going to get into it, for us as women to help each other as it is for men. Like it always feels more competitive or, you know, if you're one of a few women in an industry, it always feels like, well, you know, there's not room for multiple women at this table in a male dominated industry. Mm -hmm. You have, you have to be there for each other as women business owners. That's why it's our focus group. I don't care if I miss every meeting, I'm still going to pay the annual fee every year because I need that group when I need them. I need them there. Yeah. And it might not be once a month. But um, that, that's, I just want to touch on that because I know most of my audience is probably women. Shout out to the men there. I mean, if you're a man, mm. network with women. They're going to absolutely hella loyal. Um, I just think that's so important. I'm glad you said that because I'm so thankful for the circle of women business owners that I have. And I will ride till the end for them because I want y'all to be successful. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and you bring up a really good point. I think women... Strong women can send, uh, you know, other women sometimes don't understand that, but I think that I so appreciate it. And I, I, it's just, it's our personalities and we should be able to, however we come at it, you know, come in and celebrate each other. And it's just so fun to get in there and wrestle around and talk as women and and have the perspective we do. And you are exactly right. Um, I'm working, I'm consulting with a large company uh, right now, and there's only two of us women uh, involved and the rest are men. And so it's, you know, you have a particular style that works very well for you. And I love it because you, <laughs> you, you're, you're funny to me. You say stuff and it's like, it's very dry. And I just, I, it cracks me up and you're very smart. I love that. And, but being you would not work for me. So I have to figure out what works for me when I'm in a male dominated space and what is my asset and how do I put my best foot forward and hold my ground and believe in myself and say what I want to say when I want to say it. It's the exact same thing you do. I just come at it a little differently, but it's not getting pushed to the side either and having a voice in a conversation when sometimes you get shut down and saying, well... So be specific. What are those tools that you use? Um... For me, it's... What I had to do was find my voice. Um, It's... It's... I, it may not seem this way now, but for a long time, I didn't have the confidence I needed. And if somebody questioned me, then I second guessed myself. So, I mean, it was almost automatic. If I said something that I believed to be true or I thought was beneficial or productive for the conversation and somebody would raise a question about it, I would, I would backpedal. Well, that doesn't work <laughs> at all. And so I had to, one, before coming into a meeting or being put in a situation, I made sure I knew what I, I knew what I knew. I was prepared to talk. I'm not a person. I know for myself, I'm not a person that thinks on my feet very well. I need to process. I've learned a lot about myself over the years. So if I walk into a certain meeting or I'm going to be, you know, talking about a certain subject, then I need to be prepared. So it's preparing myself so that when I do speak up, and I get challenged, I can explain myself. And, you know, I don't mind agreeing to disagree, but I don't cower away or, you know, stop talking or, you know, oh, I guess you're right, you know, or or any of those things. So for me, it's being prepared. It's, It's knowing when to speak. And that's the other thing. Sometimes, you know, if I got, um, a little nervous or I wasn't sure. And then, you know, the other side of that coin is talking too much instead of Mm -hmm. choosing your moments and not having to respond to everything because then that's, you know, it's like you're trying too hard. So it's that balance of, you know, speaking when you have something of quality to add to a conversation and otherwise listening. And then the other thing that I do too is is validating when somebody speaks. Um, somebody said this, I'm see if I can get it right. 
are you listening or are you waiting for your chance to talk? And I think a lot of us are waiting for our chance to talk instead of listening to what somebody is saying. So the other other tactic, I guess you would call it, which is more being respectful, is when somebody makes a point, instead of me just jumping on the next thing that I wanted to say, I'll, you know, validate that. So it's like, oh, that's a really good point, and this is what I heard you say, what I was thinking, and, and connecting those dots and linking, you know, making sure that people understand that, you know, what you're saying and how it fits into the conversation. Yeah, I like that a lot, especially for as someone who is wrong a lot when I speak. You can be wrong and still be assertive. You being wrong in a presentation does not mean that you take a position of submissiveness. Right, that's the right way to say it. Mm-hmm. There is, there's great. I mean, it's not necessarily doesn't come natural to everyone, but there is a way for you to be wrong about something that you were once confident about. So that happens to me a lot. That's actually something I struggle with, Benna. Is that I because for my job I have to watch news outlets from both sides because I have to be able to have a conversation. I, I don't know who's coming into my office, or even if I do know who's coming to my office, they might have wildly different views of the world around us than I do but I have to be able to understand their perspective and when in my experience when you are constantly listening to different sides it's hard to pick a side Mm -hmm. so I had the same issue where it'd be really easy to make me backpedal it'd be really easy to, to switch my mind because I just I know too much information that contradicts itself and it all sounds great right yeah but there one thing I had to learn to do was to one say I don't know and not just make up shit that took me <laughs> yeah, a long time exactly. when I was young exactly. just, make, just be like you know what I don't mm-hmm. know I'm still confident in what I'm talking about but I'll get back to you on some information there is there's grace there and learning how to hold your ground admit that you don't know or that you're wrong I mean that takes some practice it took me practice that doesn't come natural to everyone but I like what you said about talking too much. That's definitely something I do when I'm wrong. As mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just keep going. But you, these are things you learn. And you learn through falling on your ass. And Big time. And really dumb. Big time. <laughs> Big time. From conversations like this. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I think it does take a particular self-awareness, though. To, to be, that's one thing I, I pride myself on being. And Ben, I've noticed that you are also very self-aware. It was one of the first things I noticed about you when you spoke at CEO Focus. You, you, we, you and I might be almost too self-aware. Like we overthink things. Are you an overthinker? Yes. I'm an overthinker. Yeah. I think of all the different ways you could have perceived of what I just said. And then probably the worst way you could have perceived it is how I think you actually perceive it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Our own worst enemies. (laughs) mm -hmm. But you know what? It works in your favor because no one ever gets mad when you apologize. Even if they weren't offended. An apology is a great way... If, even if someone's not offended and maybe you had a conversation or you gave a presentation and, and maybe you talked down to someone who felt like you were con- condescending, no one is ever going to get mad at you for sending an email, sending an IM or walking over to their office or their desk and be like, you know what? I was thinking about it. I felt like I might've been condescending. I apologize if you took it that way. That makes you look emotionally present, emotionally intelligent and like yep. a good leader. Yep. Well, and you're vulnerable. And you make mm-hmm. mistakes. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. that's a good way. I mean, it. it's people appreciate that. It's funny, the I'm consulting for this company and we're on Zoom calls all week long because we're building a really cool app and it's it's pioneering and it's there's a lot of conversation about what we want to do. And, you know, I've been getting some really good feedback. And when you get good, strong feedback, it feeds your confidence. So then you're more likely to speak up and things. But the other day, I, I don't know what happened, but my the one guy that I talked to the most, he said, uh, he said, man, he goes, he goes, you were really babbling the other day or said something. And I go, I go, I was, he goes, yeah. He goes, well, let us know you're still human because I guess I'm, you know, which he, he gets to say that because he wasn't saying it in a, 
in a mean way. He wasn't saying it to try to get me off my game or make put me in my place, which, you know, I can read those things. He goes, oh my goodness, I don't know what, what you must have had a busy day. As he said something, I mean, he qualified. He goes, because you, you were kind of babbling a little bit in our call. And I go, I was? I go, oh my goodness, sorry about that. And he you said, must have a know. different relationship with him because I would have been like, no, it no coming. It depends on who it's coming from because there's right. another guy that had it come from him because he has. I've produced some things that weren't getting done. I'm highly organized, and we didn't have you know some schedules and some task lists that needed to be done, and some calendaring and some things like that. And so I produced some things. So I know I was stepping on some toes, but we were stalled and we have a deadline and um, we needed to get some things done and it really wasn't my job but I did it and then in a call I could tell that one of the guys was you know kind of poking at it and goes well it doesn't have this and it doesn't have that and I go yeah it's a high level view it's to, it's a conversation starter blah 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 so I mean I definitely know when somebody is on, on my side and just kind of poking me in the ribs a little bit and teasing me versus somebody that is trying to undermine me or make me look bad in front of the group. I've been there enough times. And that's where I think there's the art of not reacting emotionally because women get, you know, can mm. react in an emotional way instead of going oh um, well tell me a little more I this is what my intent was what did you mean by that I just want to make sure we get it right I mean and you can call them out in a way that is actually very productive and you hold your ground it's very professional very you know respectful of the person I mean I don't know what he's going through maybe he got his butt chewed out because he yeah. didn't have you know and he's and I, he happens to be in a you know so I don't the other thing that I've learned is I don't take things personally now if somebody's attacking me on a personal level I'll deal with that but I you know a lot of this stuff is you know these guys don't really know me um and it's not personal to me um and, and, you know, in the way I'm going to respond to it. I mean, I might vent to Steve, my husband, afterwards and go, ah, you know, we wouldn't believe what I put up with today, you know. But on a call, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very professional and I've learned to, you know, when to speak up and when to just, you know, let, let questions go and to step in. And But I, I do uh, wanted to circle back to what you just said about you know, admitting when you you're wrong or you said the wrong thing or it didn't come out right, I think that is such a powerful uh, tool when you can walk up to a person and go, "Listen, man, I am so sorry that came out. It just it was ill-timed and blah blah or whatever it was." Being able to just say that was my bad and I own that and I apologize. I'll do my best not to you know blah blah blah. So. I just think that shows vulnerability, it shows maturity, it shows you're not perfect, nobody is, and you are careful who you would do that with as well, because, I mean, there's just some people that, that will accept that in the right fashion, and others that, you know, may not, so it's, 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 uh, the older you get and the more you deal with different types of people it's just all experience and wisdom that's you know through the years and you're always I guess one of my things is I'm always looking to learn something new and cheers I'm, to that always yeah, always every day what am I going to learn about whatever today and um, when you have a growth mindset that's kind of a new term they're using or a term that's been around is a growth mindset and it's like I've I don't know everything yet <laughs> and I never will so uh, I can learn something new I can learn even things that I think I know and and like you said I get a different perspective from somebody that I may or may not agree with but I'm not walking in their shoes either so just learning to listen and hear from people that are on a different journey than I am um, and being able to value them in their place and um, you know I just I think it's so important especially now with all the polarizing issues flying around and and it's just we're 
we're not unified anymore. It's just there seems to be more things dividing us than unifying us these days. Absolutely. I would say today it's fundamental to know how to separate your opinions and know when you need to build a community and when you need to heal a community, whether it's your work community, whether it's your family. I mean, this is the first time in my life and that my family is divided because of political views. Like to me, that is so ridiculous, Mm -hmm. so ridiculous. So just to be able to go to a holiday, this isn't even work related, but to be able to go to a holiday with your family and just take on the leadership role and foster when someone starts talking about politics, hey, yeah, this is a family event. Let's not, let's talk about something else. Like we all love each other, we're here. Like I think just being able in a work setting do that in a classy, graceful way where you're bringing people together and not feeding into the separation, especially partisan separation. I think that that is so powerful. And it's job security because no manager wants a separated team. No manager wants someone that's so opinionated that he's making people take sides. That's a really quick way to lose your job. And it, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be on paper that, oh, yeah, this person, you know, believes in this and this is why we're firing him. But you will, they will find a reason to get rid of your ass. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly so, right. Benna, I know we've talked about this. I feel like we've talked about this the entire time. But in what ways has failure, whether the one you've talked about or maybe another one, shaped your behaviors, your character or who you are? on a personal level, on a psychological level? And how has it made you successful thus far? Um, Well, I tell you, I wanted to share a story with you, um, which I think kind of gets at what what you're asking, you know, what failures or what things, huge challenges have I been impacted by that I, I mean, there's some things that have happened to me over the years or to me and because of me over the years that stick with me. There's such huge learning experiences that they stick with me and they have been just uh, kind of anchored me um, and helped me along. And one of those times was uh, way back, um, gosh, many years ago, I was, I was at a K-12 school and I was a youth sports director and I was running uh, the youth sports program and I had about 400 kids that signed up for my basketball um, event, you know, basketball season that I had. And these are all five to 10 year olds. So you can imagine what that looked like. And I was so busy with trying to figure out how to put them in the teams and get all the volunteer coaches in place and order those uniforms and get schedules together and where are we going to practice and how i mean i had 30 basketball teams i was like what am i going to do with all these you know where are they going to practice you know all of that and i remember one day i was sitting at my desk and trying to figure a bunch of stuff out like that up to my eyeballs and i you know would get interrupted by parents coming in and wanting to know this or that and it was a uniform size problem or where are my kids going to you know where are they practicing can i move my child to a thursday practice all these little things kept coming up and i remember looking up and i said i said god if you would just take these people away i could do my job and i swear it was an audible voice <laughs> i swear he just he looked at me and he goes Benna, the people are your job. Oh, wow. And he said, don't lose the people in the process. And what that taught me, so I was just, what that taught me was, I am one that wants to get all my I's dotted, all my T's crossed, all my paperwork done, all my, you know, what is it? I'm writing a curriculum. I got to get it done. I don't need to be bothered. I got to do this. I got to do whatever it is. And I would, if people, people that needed my attention were dis, were interrupting me, then I didn't have time for that. And what I learned from that one thing is anytime, you know, within reason, we set boundaries and things like that. So qualifying it there, but anytime somebody would interrupt me, especially when I got into more management roles, I would stop what I was doing. I would turn, I would listen to what they had to say 
and not lose the people in the process. And that is so extremely important because of all the products and the task and the things that we can be doing, I think the people are the most important part and of any worthwhile endeavor. And I think we get hung up on things that are less important and you think, and, and this is the mindset, the interruption is going to cause me to be late and I'm not going to finish what I was in the middle of doing. And I find that now when I give these, you know, people the time, they want to talk to me about something and I give them that time that it makes that job so much easier and better. And God somehow brings around plenty of time for me to get done with what I was trying to do. So that, I don't know if that answers exactly, exactly your question, but I think from a failure standpoint, it's taking the time with people when you fail, when they fail you and when they fail on their own and just to make sure that we're paying attention to each other and we're seeing and we're listening and we're trying to understand is it just um, it helps everything all the way around. I just think it's the probably one of the most important lessons that I learned in life because I am, like I said, an introvert. I can be alone very easily a lot. <laughs> I don't mind it. I enjoy my alone time. And so making time and room for people has been a big deal to me. And I, I, you know, Kendall, I would attribute that to some of my success now is, is venturing out, even though I'm not the most comfortable meeting brand new people and trying to figure out conversations and things like that. But um, being able to, I threw myself into that round table thinking, you know, with all those women and not knowing that how I would fit in and just doing the best I can. And well, not even just that, you asked me to lunch within five minutes of me <laughs> at the end of the meeting. So when you say you're introverted, like you were the first one to approach and be like, hey, let's get coffee. Yeah. Like, Introvert well. who? <laughs> Well, I don't remember being that bold, but I, I think I liked you a lot because I think you were so cool. And I loved your story. Your story is fascinating to me too. So um, yeah, I, I think when I click with certain people, I want to get to know them. And so one-on-one, -on -one, um, so that's how I like to, I like to get a little deeper with people and understand you know, who they are and what makes them tick. So I do reach out from time to time when I feel like I can relate. <laughs> Well, I do love that story because it actually applies to me personally, because as my business grows and it's just been, I'm so blessed that it's been growing so fast that as it grows, and this is with any business, you have to scale. Like any book you read, it's so important to scale effectively, efficiently, and quickly because it, it goes away just as quickly as it comes. Mm -hmm. And I, the last 2021, it was all about branding, scaling, hiring, defining your process. And I was not having as as deep conversations in my appointments. I wasn't having as quick connections. And I, and I was sitting and I do personal reviews every quarter where I sit and I'm like, all right, what do you, what could you be doing better? What, what could you be doing more on a networking side? And I was just, I was just like, I, I'm not getting as much personal reward. My cup is not as full because I got into this because I'm good with people. I'm a problem solver. Right. Maybe not so much with my own problems, but hearing other people's <laughs> problems, immediately I have like a checklist of like, okay, this we could do this, that might take longer, but or we could do this, this is more difficult, this is, you know, more, I can, I can do that really quickly in my head. And I wasn't getting that because I lost the people in my process. Mm. I don't know the exact answer, to how you do that in my industry. I think it's just hiring, delegating. Delegation is probably a big thing. Mm -hmm. Do you have to do every little thing? Probably not. Will quality be sacrificed in the grander scheme? Maybe, but how much? Right. People notice? Right. So I think delegation is a really good way, a solution, a more specific solution to the problem you presented. Don't lose the people in the process. Mm -hmm. How? because yeah. growth is so hard growth is so fast 
climbing the ladder, you have you you know you feel like it's competitive. You have to be better than this person. You have to prove to upper management that you are. How do you do that? You delegate. Yeah. You um, but you don't have to sacrifice a work life balance. And I think that that's something that I had to learn the hard way, because I had kids really quickly in my career, and I just felt like I constantly had to choose, and yeah. I was choosing yeah. my work. Most of the time, I didn't yeah. have to do that. I needed an assistant or two. <laughs> I needed a marketing person. I needed uh, someone to do my follow up. Because do I really need to be calling those warm leads? No, I just need them on my calendar, and then That's I connect right. with them on a phone call. I mean, delegation is huge, and we could talk about that for hours because that's for people like you and I, Benna. Delegation is hard at first. Well, it is because we want it done the way we want it done, and yes. you know, and and to your point, you know, and I know you've heard of it, the that quadrant where it's urgent, important, not urgent, not important, and understanding, you know, putting if it's important and it's urgent, then who you delegate to is going to be more important, and you may have to do it yourself. If it's urgent, not important, delegate. If it's not important, <laughs> then it may, and it's not urgent, it may never get done. So understanding the gravity of the tasks and the things that need to be done, and that's exactly what you're doing, right? It's like I don't need to be in the first line of defense. I need, and that's just smart because you're managing so much. You're the brain trust. And uh, you know, like me, is understanding what do I need to involve myself in, and what do I need to pass on to somebody else to manage for me, like my social media stuff that I'm terrible at, and I don't even want to learn it. I want to learn a lot of things. I don't want to learn how to do my social media. So oh, wanna... that was the best thing I ever did was hire yeah, someone to hire help me somebody. manage that. Yeah. So best that's thing I ever did. That's next on my list is getting that straightened out and done. Um, but I can I, I can send you a couple of people. Remind me. That'd be great. That'd be great. Thank you, Benna. How do you want people to reach out to you? Are you comfortable with people reaching out to you with questions about how you started your business, what you do? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, you have my email, um, Benna at bcstrategist.com. Pretty mm-hmm. simple, and you know I'm. I'm around most of the time and I'm very good with my email and keeping up with that. That's the probably the easiest best way to reach out initially and I would love to hear from folks and I'm like I said at you know at the beginning just um, I want to encourage women. I need I need encouragement. I need, you know, support and the value of relationships to learn from other women, you know, that have done things you know, different and better than I have. So we're we're all in this together, and I think we, you know, each have our specialties and and can bring value to each other through through massive relationships. And men too. I mean, I I don't want to just you know say women power and it's just us. I think women are unique and we can uniquely help each other. But I think being able to unif you know get men and women to be in super respectful. Um, relationships and business um, arenas is is it's time and there's there's still some ground to be you know forged in that area so I certainly would love to uh, men or women to be involved and and to have some dialogue around a, a variety of things and if there's anything I've said that perhaps I could help somebody then I'm happy to sit down and and provide anything I can absolutely well, thank you, Benna. I'm gonna have uh, Weston put up her social media or her email so that people can reach out to her. Of course, you can always reach out to me and I'll get you connected. Benna, thank you so much for coming. It's always a pleasure. I will talk to you probably at Linda's Christmas party if we don't have a meeting before then. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. Kendall, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I so enjoyed and we haven't connected enough in a long time and I, I know. hope we can reconnect, but I know we're both just crazy busy and, and trying to do our thing. But yeah, definitely planning on going to Linda's thing and seeing you there. Maybe we'll have a chance to catch up and chat, but uh, call me for a beverage one evening. We'll, we'll run out and do some girl time. I'm all about the beverages. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Well, thank you, everyone. This is another episode of Failure Friday with Benna and BC Strategist, CEO and founder. 
and we will tune in next week with another guest. Again, if anybody wants to be on the show, you can send me a DM and I will send you a link if it's an appropriate interview. And I'm just so thankful for the overflowing support we've received with this podcast, the viewers, the audience, the questions I've gotten. Um, I'm thankful for you all. And I hope it's helpful. I mean, that's the reason I'm doing this. I don't like just hearing myself talk. Um, I, I hope people are getting something out of this and the feedback that I've gotten so far is that you are. So I'm just so grateful and appreciative of everyone. And I will see you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Bye.